Hey everyone, my name is Caleb Mason and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. I am so grateful that you have decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me in the Learner's Corner. And today I am honored to be joined by John Burke to talk with him about his brand new book, Imagine the God of Heaven, Near-Death Experiences, God's Revelation, and the Love You've Always Wanted. Now, uh, today, you know, if you've been listening or if this happens to be your first time listening to the Learner's Corner podcast, we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations or in, in this case, maybe sometimes controversial conversations or conversations that don't necessarily get talked about a whole lot. We want to be the place for that. And today we're going to engage uh, one of those topics and one of those ideas about near-death experiences, about what of what are those that you do and um you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get a little bit more into, um, you know, kind of the origin of this in just a minute. But again, if this happens to be your first time listening to the podcast, or if you find yourself on this journey of lifelong learning, please subscribe to my Substack, to where I just give you recommendations of just some of the best things that I'm currently learning from some of the things that are engaging my curiosity that are making me think that are making me wrestle with different questions or that I'm really just enjoying a whole ton as well and again all you got to do is go to the show notes hit subscribe uh or check out my Substack, hit subscribe and you get an email each and every single time that i set out some of the things that i'm learning from and some of the things that are engaging my imagination and, and curiosity and everything okay so this conversation or this this idea you know we we talked about this briefly with uh with pn's earlier this idea of near-death experiences and, and what you do with those and then I, John actually came out, John Burke actually came out with a book, I think it was eight years ago, about, um, about Imagine Heaven. And what he did is he, he researched all of these people's experiences with near-death experiences and decided to share his, uh, his findings and compared them to, uh, to the Bible as well of what's true and how, how does it correlate and relate and all of those different things. And so whenever I found out that he was coming out with another book related to near-death experiences, I wanted to make sure and have him on the podcast as well. And so let me tell you a little bit about John, and then we can go ahead and jump into our conversation. So John Burke is the author of numerous books, including the New York Times bestseller, Imagine Heaven. And he and his wife, Kathy, founded Gateway Church, a multi-site church based in Austin, Texas, and as an international speaker, John has encouraged hundreds of thousands of people in 30 countries. And that's all. Uh, I guess that's it. So without any further wait, here is my conversation with John Burke. Well, John, it is good to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me on, Caleb. Appreciate it. Yeah. And... You know, we're going to talk a lot about uh, your book, Imagine the God of Heaven, but this is your your second book in terms of near-death experiences. And so I would just love to begin with, tell me about how you first learned about, you know, NDEs and got interested in that topic. Yeah, it was uh, very accidental. <laughs> I was... Um... You know, I was an agnostic. I didn't didn't believe in Jesus, God, the afterlife, mm -hmm. um, or really didn't just didn't know. I didn't think there were answers. I I was an engineer by training and and worked as an engineer, so my mind has always had that why and how do you know kind of curiosity, right? Yeah. Um, but blind faith was not really uh, very appealing. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I can have faith, but is there any evidence? So when my dad was dying of cancer, someone gave him the very first research um, on near-death experiences. When, you know, when someone clinically dies, literally heart stops beating, no brain waves, and yet they're revived by modern medicine or miracle, you know, we don't always know, um, but they come back and, and sometimes dead for a few minutes, but sometimes you know, hour and 45 minutes, 30 minutes. I mean, like, and yet consistently they were talking about how they experienced a life to come, mm -hmm. uh, like they had a soul and the, this life to come was more real than this life. 
Many of them encountered this God of light and love. Some of them talked about Jesus. And I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, could this be actual scientific medical evidence that this stuff is real? Now, I wasn't convinced, um, but I it opened my mind. And my dad did die. Um, and that was really, really tough. But I, I started to seek and I was I was trying to understand more. So I I started reading the Bible. I started, you know, I got in a small group Bible study and and it was over the course of about a year that I came to faith in Jesus. I realized there are other historical reasons to believe yeah. that God actually revealed himself completely separate from near-death experiences. Yeah. But I was curious, you know, I was like, well, how? And I kept running into more and more of these encounters. Now, this is in the 80s mm -hmm. when these are first starting to be talked about. But I ran into more and more of these encounters and I was like, okay, well, how does this fit with scripture? Mm -hmm. That was always my my curiosity. And I started chronicling it because I'm an engineer. Yes. <laughs> so we collect data and we try to make sense of things. And so, yeah, so I have now studied thousands of them over the last 35 years. And in and it, it, it also led me from a career in engineering uh, to becoming a pastor. Mm -hmm. And I started a church 25 years ago for skeptics like me, yeah. a, a, a safe kind of like what you've created here, a safe place. That's our uh, motto was come as you are yeah. and no yeah. perfect people allowed. And it was a it was a safe place. We would say doubters welcome, mm -hmm. and you wouldn't believe how many skeptical, atheistic engineers and uh, you know people who were just like me that we've reached over yeah. the years. You just provide a safe place for people to ask the questions and and wrestle uh, with their doubts. Yeah. So, um, I wrote Imagine Heaven in 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, but I but I did my first talk on how near-death experiences in the scriptures correlate actually at the University of California, Santa Barbara in 1989. Yeah. So that's how long I've I've yeah. been at. This. Yeah. But I finally put it down in writing in, in 2015. Um really as a okay, Lord, I'll 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 be obedient to what you're asking. But when I right before I pushed send uh, on the final manuscript, I I said I said to him. All right, you know this may be the end of my ministry, yeah. but I'm not doing this for me. It's for you, and I and I hit send, yeah. and because churches and Christians were not very open minded to what I believe, and you know what I'm trying to write and imagine the God of Heaven is to show this is God's new global apologetic. Yeah. The, the, these are testimonies from all around the globe that show that the same God of light and love who revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush 3,500 years ago, uh, you know, and then to the, the nation of Israel is the same, the same God of light that appeared to Daniel in Daniel chapter seven, Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter one, Jesus who said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness yeah yeah all the way through the bible um but this is also the same god of light and love who's showing up and i i have stories from every continent in imagine yeah. out of heaven yeah uh and i i do want to get into a couple of those here in just a minute i want to go back to like whenever you're whenever you're first exploring ndes and especially like right before you're like publishing imagine heaven Talk to me about like, what did, like, I just imagine, like, it's one thing if you're just an author and you're publishing the book on NDs, but you're also a pastor of like several thousand people who have their own individual thoughts and ideas on, on that. Can you talk to me about like, what, I don't know what you did to prepare like the congregation, even just people to even just have this type of conversation. Well, again, Caleb, you have to understand our, our, our church, um, it's a little different in that most of the people came to faith in our church. Mm. And so I had spoken on this. I had interviewed people, um, not all the time, yeah. um, but, but periodically. Yeah. So it wasn't completely new to them. 
Um, interestingly, uh, many of them had, like, I think about this one um, woman, Karen, who her marriage was on the rocks because she had been in a coma for 10 days and almost died. They had to have her in this machine that kept turning her upside down and all around. And, mm -hmm. and they, they thought she was dead and then came back and her husband and kids were so grateful and she was depressed. And Derek, her husband was like, what the heck? You know, we yeah. pray for you and we, and, and we love you. And don't you love us? Why are you depressed? It's a, it's a commonality, right? That mm -hmm. when they experience how real and wonderful the life to come is, it's what, it's what life was yeah. meant to be on earth before the fall. Right. Yeah. And they often are depressed. And so when when Derek and Karen heard me speak on this, it helped heal their marriage. It helped heal him to go, oh, it's not about us at all. Mm -hmm. So I'd spoken on this in our church before. Okay. There wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of pushback or kickback yeah. Um, yeah. there. But I think in other realms of Christianity, you know, of course, there have been. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important to address that because I truly believe if you if you look at the scriptures and what they say, and you look at not what every person says, and that's that's an important thing. I don't believe everything that every near death experiencer says. Mm -hmm. What I'm looking for are the common patterns. Mm -hmm. What are the what are the commonalities, the crossovers, the the things that consistently are being said or described, and when you hear those. It's amazing how it aligns with not only what the Bible says about heaven, but what I'm trying to show in the new book is what the Bible says about God. Mm -hmm. And these people are experiencing the same God all over the globe. Mm -hmm. What's one of those uh, patterns that really stands out to you or like the first time that you discovered it, it was like, oh, wow, I see this. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's a there's a consistency of experience. And actually, it's interesting in chapter two of, of the new book of Imagine the God of Heaven, mm -hmm. I go through the 10 points of evidence that any alternate theory needs to address. Otherwise, they're just throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping yeah. something sticks other than there is a soul that leaves the body and a life to come that's real, overseen by a God of light and love. Yeah. People yeah. don't necessarily want that. So they throw all kinds of, well... It's just, it's just the brain as it's dying, just a blip in the brain. CNN just did an article uh, that, because everybody sent it to me, of course. Hey, did you see this? You know, and it, and the, the headline was near death experiences, a, a a blip in the brain study at death study after death study shows. Mm -hmm. Now, if you read their article, that's actually not what the article even said. That's just a clickbait headline. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I what I show in chapter two is that, you know, what these people commonly say, they leave their body, but they're they're there in the room and they can see their resuscitation. So I talk about veretical evidence mm -hmm. like they can when they come back, they can describe things happening they should not have been able to see. And this is consistent. And it's been studied to show their observations are like. 96, uh, 98% completely accurate to, you know, maybe some details missing yeah. only 2% of the study were, were inaccurate. And so it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, blind people having the same experience, being able to see and saying the same things. How do that's not a blip in the brain. Mm -hmm. They have had no sight perception, right? Um, the commonalities, not all being exactly the same, but overlappingly the same. Mm -hmm. So I talk, you know, for instance, people experience, uh, you know, then going through a tunnel or some, it's like going through outer space and they come to this place of exquisite beauty, not unlike earth, you know, mountains and trees and flowers and forests and, but with colors beyond our, our, our color spectrum. Yeah. Uh, and and all these things that they that they talk about, they don't all experience them the same, but there are percentage overlaps. Now, if it's just a, a blip in the brain, why don't they experience it all the same? 
And then another commonality I talk about that you have to explain is why would then only about 48% of people having a near-death experience experience the presence of God? But these are people from a Hindu background, an atheist background, a Buddhist background, a Christian background, a Muslim background, and they experience the same God, not the God of their culture, this God of light and love, who is not just a force, but personal, knows them better than they know themselves, loves them like they've never been loved before, but also is a God of justice who he gives them a life review and they clearly see their, their rights and their wrongs. And they know God is love and how we treat one another, how we love one another is the most important thing to God. And there are other commonalities like yep. that, but why wouldn't they see Hindu gods and why wouldn't they see, you know, yeah. Buddha yeah. or other. And yeah. so all those kinds of commonalities together, it makes this incredibly strong, strong case. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. It's hard to say one. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's 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 so many that you talk about in the book too. So it is hard to narrow it down to one. Well, may, maybe this one was yeah, a very yeah, go interesting one uh, uh, that I that I talk about in Imagine the God of Heaven. That in God's presence, the light of God, they consistently say is brighter than the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, this this one psychiatrist neurologist uh, Ron Smotherman. Um, Dr. Ron Smotherman, he's actually, he he got stabbed 13 times by a guy who had a psychotic break. On the 14th, the guy's going for his heart and he said, time stopped. Like literally frozen in time and this God of light appears before him and he said, imagine being five feet away from the source of an atomic explosion. <laughs> said that's what the light was like but he said it and it was roiling with energy but it wasn't just roiling with energy it was roiling with love mm-hmm. and life and so this is something that consistently they've said is that the light is life and the light is love mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's all one yeah and i thought i found that fascinating but it all correlates you know like i said jesus said i am the light of the world you know, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But he also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am life. Yeah. He said, you know, in, in John 7, 37, whoever's thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Right? Yep. And so, you know, these things, he's life, he, he's light, he's love. You know, God is love, the yeah. Bible tells us. Yeah. Talk to me about um, what, what got you interested in writing, like, imagine the God of heaven, because, you know, you, you write, imagine heaven. And then it's, it's eight years later and you're putting out the second book. Talk a little bit about like the differentiator between the two, or even if, if like something in particular, like just sparked you to go, yeah, I need to write this book. Um, I quit writing after imagine heaven. (laughs) (laughs) So, so most people think this was my first book. It was, it was actually my fifth book and trying to lead a a, a large church um, and, you know, shepherd and pastor people well, and, you know, staff and, and then trying to write and do stuff like this. It's just a lot. And, and Caleb, you know, I knew God had called me to start a church for skeptics and doubters. And I, so after I wrote Imagine Heaven, like I said, it was really more out of obedience, like, okay, Lord, I'll yeah. do it. And when I did, after I did, I said, you know, you didn't call me to be an author. You know, you called me to be a pastor. So I'm going to focus on being a good pastor yeah. and I'm not going to write anymore. Not unless you tell me to. Yeah. And that was kind of what I said. And and yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, when you have a New York Times bestselling book that goes to number one on Amazon and just keeps going, keeps going, you write again. But I didn't, I, I I wasn't doing it for that. You know, it's just trying to be faithful to what God was showing me and help people see that. Yeah. And then, yeah, so it was a couple of years ago that he very clearly um, made it known to me that it was time for me to actually pass the baton of leadership of the church. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and to write on this and to speak on this because, and that's why I'm writing Imagine, Imagine the God of Heaven, yeah. um, because people don't realize how amazing God is. Yeah. You know, the thing is, we, we, we are finite beings, right? So we all have a box we put God in, me included. Yeah. We have to. And the reason I think God wanted me to write Imagine the God of Heaven was one to show that he is he's bringing these testimonies of his reality from all over the globe. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I have people from Hindu backgrounds, Buddhist backgrounds, agnostic, atheist, uh, in, you know, uh, people on every single continent, but they're describing the same God. And so through Imagine the God of Heaven, I'm trying to show what the scripture says about who God has been revealing himself to be throughout history. And some of the things that convince me that he's real, which by the way, had nothing to do with NDEs. Yeah. Most people don't know that God said, you know, 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, before the formation of any of the sacred scriptures of the world's religions, he said, here's who I am and here's how you'll know it's really me. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Mm-hmm. And then we have proof that that was written down and now it's happened and it's happened in history. And I show that as well. Yeah. Yep. But I'm also showing how the Bible is a love story. And if you miss that, you miss the whole point. Yeah. It starts with God creating people for a love relationship and then his love rejected. But then right there in Genesis 12, God makes a plan. He raises up Abraham and Sarah, and he says, I'm going to bless you so that all nations on earth will be blessed. Mm-hmm. And all through the, the scriptures, God's heart has been for all nations, always has been. Mm-hmm. He's not a local deity. He's a God of every person of every nation. And that's what Jesus said as well, that he paid the price so God could still be just and forgive and take back all his children who want to. Mm-hmm. If you want relationship, you can have it. And, and you know, and Jesus said he, wa- he wanted this message to go out to all the nations. And then in Revelation, John has this experience of heaven, and he says that he saw people there from every tribe and t- language and people group and nation. Mm-hmm. And and there's this great wedding in heaven. It's like it's this bizarre, mysterious love story. Yeah. And so I'm trying to show I'm trying to show that what God has been revealing and what these people are experiencing all over the world is the same. Mm-hmm. And then how the mysterious qualities, the attributes or or characteristics of God, um, they're also the same, mm-hmm. and they're incredible. And they, and so what I'm hoping to do is blow the box open, both of, of people that on the one hand don't realize how mysterious and powerful and wonderful and, you know, uh, in control God is. But on the other hand, sometimes we put into the box, we don't realize how relatable, personal, mm-hmm. even fun and, and funny God is. You know, and and so we need to expand the box that we put him in, and that's what I'm hoping. Imagine the God of Heaven will do. Yeah, you know, uh, b- before we dive more into the Imagine the God of Heaven, I want to ask you: whenever, whenever you first encountered NDEs, was there a particular one that stood out to you that got you thinking about faith, or was it more of like the accumulation of like, wow, there's so many of these stories that it sparked that curiosity and faith. Um, it was it was both in the sense that it was the the sheer number of them saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing. Like if you think about testimony in a court of law, mm-hmm. if you have 10 eyewitnesses that all say exactly the same thing, that's collusion. And yeah. you don't trust that witness, right? Yeah. But if you have 10 people who like they all saw a crime happen, but from different angles. So they're reporting a unique angle with differences, but all those differences overlap. Mm-hmm. That's the strongest testimony. And that's what I saw with, with NDE testimony. But then you had some like, 
Pam Reynolds, I write about, you know, her, she was a, a singer songwriter uh, in the eighties and she had a, a near death experience and hers came when she was, she had a deep brain aneurysm. So she had to go under it. It's, uh, it's this intense surgery. The name's too long for me to remember even, but they have to basically lower your body temperature to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. They drain your body of all blood. They, they put um, patches over her eyes so that nothing would be stimulated through the eyes hundred decibel clickers in her ears so that she couldn't hear anything and they could monitor those clicks in the brain waves to make sure there's no brain activity at all. Mm -hmm. So Pam can't see, can't hear. They're showing no brain activity and she's under the deepest anesthesia. And yet she says she left her body and for, she was, she was in surgery for a couple of hours. An hour into the surgery is when they took the saw, the saw off they, she knew they were going to saw open her skull, mm -hmm. but she describes the saw and she said, it didn't look like what I would think is a saw. It looks more like an electric toothbrush. And there were, there was almost like what my dad's socket set looked like with all these drill bits in it, but they were different saw, but that wouldn't even opened up until an hour into the surgery. She should never have seen that. She describes what the doctors were saying and how a female doctor said, we can't find her artery and she was down by her legs, which she thought, well, they're working on my head. Why are they down by my legs? But all that actually happened as she's coming back and she has this experience with God. She's coming back into her body. They're playing the song Hotel California. And she had to be shocked not once, but twice. Yeah. And she's describing all of this. So medical doctors um, were convinced that this is describing something real and that there is the, the, the consciousness or the soul survives clinical death. And that was what really convinced me as a skeptical engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a couple of things that I would love to have you um, just talk on and elaborate from the book is, um, is one, the fact that in, in, a, in, I think, I think you say all of the NDE experiences that God doesn't reveal himself necessarily to people. Can you talk a little bit about that dynamic and kind of speak on that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I'll give you my, my favorite story. Yeah. Uh, there's so many, yeah. but, um, but Santosh uh, was a, you know, he grew up in India. His, his father was a, a Sanskrit scholar. So Hinduism was all he knew. He's a manufacturing engineer, did really well, traveled the world, which, which I'll point out too. A lot of these people I interviewed, they're surgeons, they're manufacturing engineers, they're, they're uh, CEOs. They have nothing to gain making yeah. up these crazy wild stories. They have a ton to lose. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I have Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, and they're talking about the same God, and that's not the God of their culture. They have nothing to gain. And that is testimony in and of oh, itself, yeah. right? Yep. So Santosh, here's, he, he, had, um, he had this thing where his, his uh, gallbladder erupted gallstones into his pancreas. They couldn't get his blood pressure down. He hears code blue, code blue. His heart stopped beating. Um, they couldn't revive him. So they put him into a medically induced coma for three days. He comes back three days later and he tells what happened. And he said he could see his body there. And then this brilliant light that he knew was a divine light, again, brighter than the sun comes. And he said, I instantly fell in love with this light because I knew it was there to care for me and protect me. And he said, I knew this was God. This was the supreme authority. I had to obey this, this being. And he is taken then um, to this place where he is up very high and he's looking out over this city and this God of light goes and kind of like parks inside the walls of the city and he's up describing it. Now, what's crazy is when he describes it to me, he calls it this. First of all, he said, 
when you're on the other side, your eyesight is telescopic. So I could see up close for thousands of miles, you know, which sounds kind of crazy, but that's a commonality. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, for, for Christians, they don't realize that this correlates with what uh, the apostle John, who said he, who wrote Revelation, mm-hmm. he said he was taken up into heaven and he was brought to a very high mountain looking over the same exact city Santosh is going to describe. Yeah. But he can read the names on the on the gates and on the foundation stones. How? Yeah. Well, you have telescopic vision, right? Yeah. And that's what I was trying to show in Imagine Heaven, that all these things they're describing, God's revealed them already. They're not new. Mm-hmm. Um, so Santosh says he's looking over this giant compound. He called it a compound. Now, I've been to India many times. We, we built a hospital there. Mm-hmm. There are compounds, walled, gated communities everywhere. Yeah. So he's just describing it from his cultural viewpoint. It's this walled compound, thousands of miles square, he said. And there were 12 gates. He said, I counted them because I could see them all. And outside the gates, he's inside. He said that it was just exquisitely beautiful and these buildings of otherworldly material. And he said, I just, I long to go in. And then he sees what he said are angels outside the gates. And he realizes I'm looking at the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Now here's, a Hindu guy describing exactly what John writes about in Revelation 21. And then he he sees this, who, who he now knows is almighty God, but now on a throne. And next, and, and, and he gets a life review and he realizes all of, all is good, but all his sins. And he starts saying, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. And he was, a, he was fearful. You know, God was going to send him into an abyss or something like that, but he hears mercy and tenderness and compassion mm-hmm. in God's voice. And he says, Santosh, I'm going to send you back. And he sees this very narrow gate, he says, that's open to him. It's the only one open into the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So this crazy story, and he comes back, and his daughter, he's seeking. He's like, that was not that was not the God that I was expecting (laughs) who was this God of love and mercy and tenderness and compassion. And I knew I deserved judgment yet. He, he gave me grace. Why? And he's seeking and asking these questions. And two years later, his daughter is invited to speak to uh, sing in a church and he goes to hear her. And the message is on uh, the, 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 the gate to the kingdom of heaven is narrow <laughs> mm-hmm. and Jesus saying, I am the gate through which the sheep can enter. And he goes back and starts reading the Bible. And he said, Oh my gosh, that's what I experienced. Mm-hmm. Now that's just one story, right? Yeah. But then you, I also talk about um, this Rwandan Imam. So he grew up in Islam. His mother was a, a goddess of their African um, goddess Bako. And so he has no conception. And yet when he dies, he has this man come into the room full of light. Mm-hmm. But he, he said in a robe and a trim beard and he's holding out his hands and there are holes in his wrists. Yeah. And he says, I died for mankind. You were one for whom I died for. Never deny it and tell everyone. And here Swedik comes to at his burial. And he starts to say, Jesus rescued me. And of course, he's in a Muslim culture. So his life, he's now an Anglican priest, Mm -hmm. but his life has been threatened seven times. Mm -hmm. He's had seven attempts on his life. There's nothing to gain from saying this. And so I'm telling story after story, but also showing this is not surprising. It's like this is what God has been revealing throughout history But, you know, Caleb, I believe what he's doing is in our globally connected world, Mm -hmm. he's showing that he has always been the God of all nations and that he is with everyone. He's he's as close as, you know, as Moses said, he's as close as your 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 own heart and voice. Yeah. And just turn to him. And he wants everyone to be with him. Yeah. Yep. 
you know, what, one of the, um, and you can, you can elaborate on the, on the story if you want to, but my, probably my biggest takeaway so far from, from going through the book is the story. And I can't remember her last name, but it's from Penny and you, uh. you, or she, she talks about this idea of what good is or how we view good and how we view, um, uh. Yeah, and Good how we view bat. That has been the biggest mind shift to me. Feel for, feel free, you know, I'll I'll let you explain kind of the difference between the two and feel free to elaborate on Penny's story if you want to also. Yeah, so you know, Penny Penny is in in the presence of of the same God that interestingly, you know, he says <laughs> he shows up and she says, This is like power and might that you you can't even describe. And all he said to her is I am. And he, and she's, you know, she's kind of a fireball. Uh, she is. And, and she said, yeah, you are, you know, like nobody else can just show up and go, I am. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and she kind of jokes about that, but interestingly, that's exactly what the same God says to Bibi in Tehran, mm -hmm. who I interviewed her and she's, she's speaking in Farsi through a translator into English. And the translator said, the same God says to her, I am he who is. Mm -hmm. That's the way they translated yeah. it. Well, that's what Yahweh said to Moses, right? <laughs> so again, it's just like in Tehran in you know, uh, in America, all over. Yeah. So with Penny, he says that to her, and then um, he goes on and and he and he starts to show her a life review, and um, and he shows her, and she said, of all the things in my life that I would have been ashamed of or scared to have the Lord show me. Um, she said, you know, I felt his love and his grace and his mercy, but the one he was really pointing out was the hardest for me to never do again. Mm -hmm. She said, it was the thoughts I had about people, mm -hmm. the bad thoughts I had about people in my mind. And the Lord said to her, let me, let me explain something to you. A thought has a certain amount of energy. A, 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 a word has even more energy. An act or a deed has even more energy. And, but it all starts in the thoughts. This is exactly what Jesus said. Out of the heart come evils, right? It starts, yep. you know, we, we, we don't usually murder unless we're angry and we hold on to that. We don't, you know, we don't rape unless we're lusting. And it's, out of, and so that's what he was saying. And, and he's saying the same thing to Penny in that, um, you know, the thoughts she was holding toward others and she had held bitterness in her heart really toward her ex-husband and it, it had locked her up and he was he was trying to show her a way past that mm -hmm. and how her thoughts then lead to words and then lead to to action so you've you've got to pay attention to your thoughts and let god into your thoughts and let him help you with your thoughts mm -hmm. and then she said you know what what he showed me is that so many of the things that we call good or bad and, and what she meant is not like moral right or wrong, but more like, you know, that happened to me and, and that was bad mm -hmm. or, um, or that was good. And she said, you know, so much of the things we call good or bad you know, on earth is so circumstantial, but what God was showing her is that even in the worst of circumstances, the thing you would say is so bad, as long as you're moving forward and growing through that with God, it's actually good. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was showing her. You know, it, it, it's kind of that verse that Christians love to quote when bad things are happening, but it's, it, it's really true of that God causes all things to work together for mm -hmm. good for those who love him. Mm -hmm. And, and that so often you know, our, our view of good and bad is just circumstantial. It's like, mm -hmm. if it feels good, then it's good. And if it feels yeah. bad, then it's bad. Mm -hmm. But to, to reorient and to think, no, actually things that I would say are bad and they are bad. Yeah. You know, like, like one of the things she was saying is, is God was trying to help me forgive and let go 
of some of the resentments and some of the things I would tell myself in my mind about, I think it was her boss. And she said, and he was bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's not yeah. that he was good or the things he was doing were good. But what the Lord was showing her is how much that hurts her holding on to that stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, um, one, one other idea that I would love to have you talk about is, um, is through the NDEs of how, how, um, how they learned how God views time also oh. and different things. Would you mind elaborating on that? No, I'm an engineer. I geek <laughs> out over that. Yeah. So, so, you know, having heard so many of these NDEs and, and they describe it different ways. So some will say to me, there was no time on the other side. Mm -hmm. And others will say, well, there was time, but it didn't work the same way. Or some will say, well, you know, there was there was time, but there was all the time you needed. Mm -hmm. Nothing was ever rushed. And what what I postulate is on Earth, we have linear time, right? We have one dimensional time. So this moment moves to the next, to the next, to the next, and you can't go back. You're, mm -hmm. you're moving one way on a one dimensional timeline. Um, but if we if we had even two dimensions of time. And it's very clear from talking to indie ears, that's what they're, they're experiencing other dimensionalities of time and space. Yeah. And so even two dimensions of time means that it, at each, at each point along a timeline, that second dimension would go infinitely this way or that way. Mm -hmm. So at every moment of time, one dimensional time, you'd have all the time in the world on that second dimensional timeline. Yeah. And so it'd feel like, well, time can move forward. But at each moment, you have all the moments you need. Yeah. And, and so interestingly, Greg Rickert, um, who I interviewed, he talks about actually experiencing two-dimensional time by um, the Lord allowing him to look into a portal. And he was seeing an Egyptian battle taking place real time then. And he said, I, I, I knew I was, I was not allowed to go into that time, but I was viewing something happening real time back in Egyptian days. And he's seen this battle going on and he's experiencing what these people are experiencing. And that's exactly what two dimensional time would be like. Now, God, I believe, is at least in three dimensional experiences, three dimensional time. I, I'm God created time. So I think yeah. God is transcendent outside of all time. But if you think about a third dimension of time, you know, I, I, I say, imagine a globe, you know, like a globe of the earth and one dimensional time is, is the equator. So we go from, you know, America along the equator moment by moment over to Europe, say, yeah. uh, and that's our one dimensional time. The, the, the longitudinal lines then would be two dimensional time. So at each moment, then you could experience all these moments. Yep. But the North Pole would be the third dimension. It's a point, one point of time at which you can access all time, the beginning of our linear time and the end all in one eternal moment. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, of course, Jesus says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. And and so God then would experience all time simultaneously, yeah. which also answers a lot of the mysteries of how can we have free will and yet God's in control. And of course I go into that in the book as well and, yeah. and, and show how people who, you know, had been through some horrific things when they were in his presence, they experienced how it all works together. Yeah. And when they came back, that knowledge was not, was not allowed they weren't allowed to take it back yeah. um but they remember that oh it it fit it made sense but it doesn't make sense here yeah not full yeah well one of the one of the questions i want to ask you about god and then um you know we could start wrapping up is that and again there's so, there's so many things that you talk about in the book but if, if this just really stood out to me because it's, it's just the the joy and the laughter of god that people talk about because reading it it's one of those ideas to where it's like okay i guess that makes sense but that's not the first thing that we think about whenever it comes to god but yeah it's so prevalent 
that all of these people with these NDEs are mentioning it. I mean, it's a whole chapter in your book. Would I mean, would you mind just talking a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, because that's my that that yeah. last section is my favorite section. You yeah. know, it's like. And, and that's what, you know, Caleb, that's what I'm trying to do in the book is blow open our box that we put God in. Sometimes we make him too small, but sometimes we make him too big. And, and I and I don't mean you can't make God. God's infinite, right? Yeah. He's eternal. Um, we, we can't even conceive. But at the same time, God is so personal and relatable that he claims he came into our existence to relate to us. Yeah. Now, we don't often think that way. And we especially don't think that God would laugh or, you know, and, and, and here I've got all these NDEs who are talking, telling me that for instance, in their life review, they're watching back with God, their, their moments of their life. And several times they would just be laughing heartily together, you know, and because, because God thought that was funny. And, then that God would actually enjoy, um, that God would have joy. One of one of my favorites is Heidi, um, who's now become a good friend. But you know, she was raised Jewish by atheist parents. Her dad had a mantra every night. She heard it: "Your life is worthless. There is no God. Jesus is the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind." And yet, when she's sixteen. Now, now here's the thing. It was it was a pretty abusive home, mm-hmm. and she did believe in God, and she prayed to God every night, and she felt God's comfort as a as a child. Mm-hmm. Then at 16, her horse rears back, falls over, and crushes her. She's up 30 feet in the air. She knows she's dead, and she turns, sees this light over her shoulder, and there's Jesus. And she says, I, I knew who he was exactly. And she said, I wasn't saying, what's a good Jewish girl like me doing with Jesus? I'm not supposed to see Jesus. She said, I knew him. Mm-hmm. He was the God man, but the God I had prayed to my whole life. And even in her life review, he showed her he was sitting by her bed, comforting mm-hmm. her at night. Yeah. Mind blowing. But then the fun part here, she's a 16 year old who loves to go fast on a horse bareback right? She's kind of a speed freak. So imagine, so Jesus takes her hand after that, gets this big grin on his face. And she said, we took off. Mm -hmm. She said they were flying. She said it was like, like Superman and Lois Lane, like just going so fast. And she said, it was the funnest thing I've ever done in my life. I'll be honest, Caleb. Because I don't believe everything everybody tells me right away. I don't. I'm kind of like, First time I heard that, I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, God doesn't play and have fun and, you know, surf waves of light. That's what she said, you know? Yeah. So I kind of, some of those I kind of set on the side, like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But then I hear Sarah, a 12 year old girl who says almost the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then I had this doctor come up to me um, in in our church after I spoke on this and say, you know, we started coming to your church and we came to faith because our four-year-old, who we had never taken to church, we didn't believe in God. He never watched TV, but at four, he started saying, I want to run and play with Jesus in the fields again. Mm-hmm. And they're like, who told you about Jesus? We never told you about Jesus. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, he had died when he was a, a little boy in the hospital. And they kept asking him, when did you run and play with Jesus in the fields? And he said, when he came and got me in the hospital. And these atheist doctors then were like, what is this? And they yeah. and make him. So my point is, why do we think, you know, the things we love on this earth, right? The, the joys, the enjoyments, the pleasures, Mm-hmm. No matter what pleasure, who do you think created you with the ability to experience pleasure? Yeah. Who thought that up? Yeah. Everything, whether it's thrills or competition or sex or, you know, just the 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 joys and the enjoyment of, you know, a fun party together. Yeah. And people don't realize that's God. Do you know, Caleb, in the Old Testament, God mandated seven street festivals. Yeah. 
where, where the whole nation is supposed to come together and just throw a big party for a whole week. And he says, and enjoy the Lord together. So I go into that to, to just show that, you know, Jesus last night on earth, what he said to us is he said, basically, stay connected to me and you'll bear for good fruit. Yeah. Just like, you know, a, a branch stays connected to the trunk of a tree and apples grow naturally. Yeah. You stay connected to me and good things will grow from, from within you. And then he said, I've told you this so that my joy will be in you and your joy will overflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's who God is and we don't often picture him that way. Yeah. Well, before uh, before we wrap up, I do want to ask there's there's so many things that we could talk about in the book or even in your research with NDEs. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to make sure that we mention? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Cuz there cuz there are so many things. I yeah. you know here's the thing um I'm I, I'm actually here with uh, with a friend of mine and interviewing him again, and there was something that he said. His name is Randy, and he was a CEO mm-hmm. uh, in corporate America, and and had this had this experience. Um, but one of the things that Jesus showed him in these life reviews, and those are these vignettes, is when he was being bullied as a as a child. And when he was in the hospital all the time and he had a, he had a hard childhood and, and Jesus showed him that he was there and he said to him, I was always there and I was just waiting for you to turn to me. Mm-hmm. And then he shows him as an orderly in the hospital. He's working in a hospital and he's now an agnostic and he's, he's helping, he's waiting on this little kid um, who is dying of cancer. And this little kid says to him, I'm dying. And, and he, and he said, but I'm going to go to heaven. And then he says to my friend, Randy, do you believe in Jesus? And he said, no, I don't really believe in that, but I'm sure if there is a heaven, you are going to go there. Hmm. And, and the little kid said, you'll be there too. I'm going to pray for you. You'll be there too. And in this venue, Jesus is showing him this happening again. And showing them that God honored the prayers of that little kid. You know, he doesn't change our free will, but to arrange things that now Randy is there in heaven watching what this little kid said. Yeah. And and the, the point of all that is that God is with us in it all. Yeah. And we can turn to him at any moment. And even if you have not believed, he's just waiting for you to turn to him. And he loves all of us more than we can possibly imagine and wants us to be with him forever and walk with him through through life and let him help us through life. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. John, I know that people are going to want to get the book, you know, imagine the God of heaven and keep up with you. Where's the best place for people to go to do those things? Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, 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 would probably say go to imaginethegodofheaven.com yeah. uh, where you know we're going to have everything or johnburkonline.com as well um, and you can find more information awesome well john thank you so much for being on the podcast today thanks for the great conversation and just thank you for doing the work and for sharing it with myself and just so many people well thanks caleb it's great talking to you Okay, so coming out of uh, that conversation, I just want to share just a little bit more of of two things that really stood out to me from that. One is just the idea that that John and I were talking about of our idea of of good and evil and what it is. And, you know, he referenced the story of Penny and... And I just want to read and, and elaborate more on, on that. And I really just want to read just the full uh, quote that really stood out to me from, from her near-death experience as well. 
She says, the thing I learned there is that we have this really screwed up view of good and bad. To us, good is when nothing is wrong. Bad is when it doesn't go our way. In the spiritual realm, good is forward motion. No matter how awful it feels, if you're moving forward, growing positively, affecting the lives of other people, even if you're doing it through grief or trials, if you're still doing good work, you're moving forward and it's good. But the day you stop interacting with the world and you're only doing what makes you comfortable, that's bad. Even though nothing bad is happening, that's not what we're on earth for. And that for me has been just a, I don't know if perspective shifter is the right word, but it's just, it's forced me to think about things in a different way. And, and it is also, it has also encouraged me a lot about thinking about that, about what good is that good is forward motion. The other thing that I want to read is this quote from, uh, from JK Chesterton and it deals with this idea of joy and laughter. And he says this, it may be that God has the eternal appetite of infancy for we have sinned and grown old and our father is younger than we. And it just makes me this, I makes me think of this idea of, you know, some of the things that we think can sometimes be childish or enjoyment, you know, the Christian, Christians can can sometimes be notorious for our lack of joy and our lack of enjoyment and realizing that that God does want that that God wants that I think God wants us to have fun that he wants us to enjoy things as well and that they're there that you don't have to necessarily give up your like I like I like I always think about it and I've referenced it so many times on this of like my love for stories, my love for comics, my love for fiction, all of that, that that's not necessarily a bad thing. And that's what I'm trying to figure out too, of how can that, how can that be like, yes, it is for my enjoyment and I love that, but how can I use that as well for, um, for, I guess a bigger purpose. And I guess sometimes even just realizing that sometimes the biggest per biggest purposes could, can just be for your, my enjoyment too. I don't know. That's, that's something that I'm still wrestling with and still trying to think through as well. And the last thing that I want to say is that, you know, it's important for us to have conversations like this about near death experiences. That's what we want to do here and continue to do here on the podcast is engage in the type of conversations that are just out there, but maybe for one reason or another, they're just not being had. They're only allowed to happen in, in certain places. And here in the Learner's Corner, we want to be the place to where you can go to and you can engage in those types of conversations because we're all on this lifelong journey of learning. And if you find yourself and, and we're just trying to figure things out and we're trying to figure out how well, I'm trying to figure out how to love people better of how to and how to be the person that God created and designed me to be and while loving loving the people closest to me and loving loving my neighbor also. So if you if you find yourself on that journey, you know, please subscribe to my Substack and I'll share um, just as just as the stuff that I'm loving about. That I'm loving. Um, I'll share that on the podcast. It is well, I'll share I'm gonna share it on the podcast, but also share it on uh, um my Substack as well. And again, just go to the show notes and hit subscribe right there. So I think that's all that I have for today. I do want to say thank you to Sam Massey for creating the music for this podcast. Thank you to John Burke for being on the podcast as well. And thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. My name is Kayla Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.